and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman and I am the Aussie Pastor. Really glad to have you on board today. And what is here in Sydney are just a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. And Hunty. G'day, mate. It is a beautiful day, isn't it? It is. And we're allowed out. And I noticed also it's a beautiful day down in Melbourne today. Yeah. We're as free as jaybirds. It's aren't beautiful, we? isn't it? Yeah. We can go mm-hmm. anywhere in the state. In fact, tomorrow for, uh, well, for the best part of the day, I'm going up to see my two daughters for the first time. How long? Since Christmas? <gasps> yeah. Almost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, up at Foster. You know, I had a little panic attack this morning. I was going across the city, and I went, oh, where's my COVID pass? Where's my documentation? I went, oh, wait a minute. That's all over. Yeah, for those of us <laughs> who are living in New South Wales, I think Victoria is the same. Pretty much go wherever we want. We are free, free, free. For the mm. rest of the – in fact, Hunty, even yeah. um, international, which will make you happy, international flights and that <laughs> are open, true? Uh, getting close, yeah. No, they're open, man. They're landing. Oh, yeah, that's true. They're landing. We had the first plane, Qantas plane in yesterday morning and I think two minutes past six. Yeah, and I think you'll be allowed to go to Singapore soon. And yep. you can go to the United States. Yep, and, and England. Yeah, I'm just waiting for you to come and <laughs> tell me you're going on holidays and heading overseas because I don't reckon in your entire life you've ever been locked down for so oh, this long. This is the longest I've been in Sydney. Yeah. But you know what? It's hard to go overseas still because I think the insurance is more than the airfare and the COVID testing is hundreds and hundreds each way both both ends. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys in the other states, other than the premier states, uh, the premier New state, South yes. Wales and Victoria, the great eastern states of Australia. The greatest. We uh, <laughs> extend to you our sympathies, don't we, Hunty? We do. From the locked down unclean ones, which we've been for so long, <laughs> to be free like we are now. Now, the other states will say, yeah, yeah, we're free. but And they are. But they got no one coming in from overseas and they can't fly out themselves and they've got their borders locked down tighter than East Germany during the Cold War. <laughs> that's right, uh, that's right. I'm just hoping and praying soon these premiers open up. I think the reality is we've got to learn to live with this COVID. Yes. Uh, we're all pretty careful. Um, we had a great program coming up this afternoon. Did you watch the Melbourne Cup? I did watch the Melbourne Cup. I love Cup. it when you try to move us <laughs> on every week. <laughs> I dare the accelerator down to the floor and oh mate, golly's got the handbrake on. <laughs> yeah, Melbourne Cup was on today. Do you know who won? I forget already. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking. We did watch Elegant the, something, was it? We did watch the Melbourne Cup on yeah. television and we're not horse racing um fanatics by no. any in fact, pretty much we've I've never been to a horse race. I think you said you've been yeah, once. Yeah, I've been once, yeah. For in your, in television capacity. A lot of money wasted today, mate. Oh, they had a good time. Yeah, but still a lot of money wasted today. A lot of gambling money, you know, that could have been put to better use, just blowing on the horses. Um, mm. You know my stance on gambling, don't you? Yeah, I'm you pre- like you like it? No, no. I'm very anti-gambling. Okay, yeah, me mate. too. Actually, I'm, I was quite disgusted the other night during watching the news. There was two ads per per ad break for sports bet and other betting programs. Was this with the Melbourne Cup coming up? Do you think they're trying to get people uh, on board? Maybe. I just thought really. Yeah. yeah, two two ads in a in a, in a, in a national nine news break supporting gambling. I've never spent one cent on it, and probably one of the reasons for it is I come from a family where we've had not a few quite addicted to gambling, the horses, drinking, and everything that goes along with that, and it, it put me right off from the time I was a small boy. And I think the Lord too. I don't think the Lord expects us to go and blow our money like that. 
I'm, I'm kind of a bit proud of, of a record that I've got. For years, I was every two years in Las Vegas for a TV trade show, and I'm proud of my record. I haven't even put a quarter into any of their slot no, machines. I, no. I go there, have a good time, and I manage to stay away from those machines. I think last time you and I were in Las Vegas, we went into one of those casinos to the rest, to the cafe, restaurant, is it restaurant? Buffet. Buffet, <laughs> and the food is just super cheap. That's because they expect you to go in there and gamble. Yes. But <laughs> and I, we were shooting, genuinely shooting television yep. for the Lord of yep. that city. We yep. never put one cent down, and we ate the place like out. Kings. In fact, I think we probably <laughs> left <laughs> about 10 kilograms heavier. It was the boat cruise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now can I tell you about our great program? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> We've got uh, three special guests on uh, today. We've got um, a good friend, Dennis Perry. He's the CEO of Food for Life. We He's had the guy who was here last week. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, the reason we got him back is I want to just get him to tell a couple of stories. And he's got some amazing stories. We've also got a favourite with uh, Harold and his great history and information. Today we're talking the about the greatest of all the reformers, Martin Luther. And Now, Martin Luther, before you go on, Martin Luther, Martin Luther what an, what has an had amazing more man. impact on me than just about any other man yeah. other than the writers of the Bible and Jesus himself. Agreed. He was, he was flawed. He wasn't yes. perfect. Yes. But what he did for Protestantism and for so many of us who are sinners and found Christ and righteousness by faith, oh, he is wonderful. Yep. Now, we have one more guest, and She's I've heard very... you describe her as quite attractive and quite cute. Oh, don't use that word cute. She's attractive she and is. delicious. She's beautiful. She's my wife. See, that's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only person I can say that about with you. That's I'm going to get her to tell her story. Just a little bit of it, not much. No. Nice. But she come from Indonesia, a Muslim country. So Now, you can put that finger down. We're not moving on yet. We're not going on no, yet. No, because I've got here on my little list to do that you've given me. Yep. Intro to the program, then SMS. Now, I don't know what an text, SMS is. Text messages. Oh, that's a text message, is it? It's a text message. Okay, what's that about, SMS and, and an email? Okay, we've got a great segment coming up called Ask the Aussie Pastor. And we have people who have already – this is – we get more and more – It's starting to snowball. Yeah, it is. And the questions they're in today, I tell you, I, there's one or two of them that are going to be noodle scratches. What's a noodle scratcher? <laughs> <laughs> uh, your head's your noodle, and oh, if you okay. go scratch your head, that's it's a hard question. Okay. And by the way, I'm looking at you there, and remember who we said you look like? Yeah, Moonface. And he said he died yesterday. Yeah, Burton, yeah, yeah. died this week. Oh, the other day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Very, was it Saturday or Sunday? Yeah, something like that. Very mm. sad. And Very from, sad. from everything you read, he was a really nice guy. Bert Newton was a lovely man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah so, so if, if you've so, got a question that you right. want to ask me, Please, text any them. question on Bible yep. or religion, yep. pretty much anything, yep. what do they do, Hunty? Okay, you can text them to us on 0488. Double eight zero eight five one, or you can email them to us. The address is info at aussiepastor.com. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Got some interesting, really interesting news. Uh, I'm a news hound. You are a news hound. Yeah, I am. Yes. <laughs> My wife sometimes gets the She's going to be on later. We won't ask her this question, Hunty, but I think. The amount of time I can spend on the news, I probably spend the best part of an hour every day reading the news. Wow. Because I don't watch it on television. But I think it's really important to be able to keep up the news and know what's going on. I agree. Hey, you remember last week we talked about, in this first news article, we talked about Australians and there was this big movement on to quit the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is part of what? The pressure and the stress of... Of lockdown. Yeah. Yep. I yep. think people have become... I, I think when you don't have the Lord and you don't have the peace that he gives you, 
when you get into strife like we've been in in this lockdown, I think you can get very unsettled. I think people have lost sight of their boundaries too. They get up at six or seven, walk into their home office and then work till six or seven without a break and come back after dinner and go nine till midnight or whatever. Life could be a lot better if there wasn't debt and we didn't have to earn so much money just to exist, couldn't it? exactly. There's so many things you could do. Yep. Which are fun and also worthwhile. But these Americans, they're quitting. But did you read why they're actually quitting? What it is that's really getting under the skin of the American worker? And you and I have experienced this firsthand. Inequality. They just don't get paid enough over there. Now, now you're going to know this more or less, Hunty, but... If you go to a McDonald's restaurant, which, of course, you never go to, mate. That's right. <laughs> Actually, we don't go to McDonald's when we're travelling and working in the United States. There's a lot. I better be careful, but we think there's better places to go than McDonald's when you get to America. There's a plethora of amazing cafes mm, and restaurants over yes, there. But yes. what do they pay their staff? What's the, what do you get paid I an hour? $5 an hour or something. $5, dollars an hour. awful. Yeah. And the reason you've got a tip over there. Yep. Now, I remember when I was over there, and I, I'm an Aussie, and I, I was with you. And I said, oh, I'm not going to tip. What was your response to <laughs> I, that? I clearly had to explain to you how things work over there. Which is? And, and that is if you get service on time and it's yeah, order's right and the food's presented nicely and they look after you, then you give them 10 20%, whatever the gratuity is. And why do you is, give them that? Because it's not included in their wages. They're just not getting paid enough, it's, are they? Well, their wages are a basic number, which allegedly incentivizes them to do a good job. Well, they do. And... I found in America generally they are fantastic. They're, they're very attentive, you. very attentive, the, the wait staff in America. Yeah. And that's why. But when you're working eight hours and you get $40 and you're taking home $200 yeah. a week. 350 a that's, week. That's devastating. Well, 40 hours times five is 200, mate. Yeah, I think there's seven. But yeah. And if you get, yeah, okay, 350 with tips, you're saying. Yeah, which is, you can't even rent a place for that. Well, that's why so many of them are in those. What what do they call those places where they go? We we call them caravan parks, but they're yeah, in tra- those trailer trash, tra- tra- trailer parks, trailer parks. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're living in ha- caravans. Yep. And do you know millions and millions of Americans are living like that? Other thing that amazed me when I was there, and you and I saw it, you drive down some of the most affluent. What were some of the most affluent suburbs in the United States? Say L.A. What do you see now? There's whole streets that are just tent cities now. Homeless. Homeless. America is not the land of opportunity it used to be. And no. I think you'll find that a lot of Americans, hard-working Americans, have just about had enough. Can I hijack this discussion for a second? Oh, I'm sure you'd like there's, to. There's a guy named Jeff Bezos who owns Amazon, and he earns a lot of money. Yep. But there's a large number of his employees on food stamps. Yeah, I know. And today I was mortified to discover that he flew to the Climate Change Summit in his private jet by himself. Yeah. Well, who goes to a, to a climate change pollution summit, one person in their own jet? Jeff Bezos. Bezos, yeah, I guess <laughs> What's so. his name, Bezos? Jeff Bezos, yeah. Oh, look, look, um, we could have talked about the climate change summit today if we wanted to. But we don't. No. No. <laughs> Who's ringing you? Um, oh, I don't know. My phone always <laughs> seems to go off when I'm on the radio. I've got to make sure mine's in silent, mate. Hey, um, what about this next one? This one kind of impacted me. It, it, it was it was in the Australian. It was it was in the Daily Mail. It was across actually most of the Aussie newspapers. The tragic life of Zane Chilcott, this oh. little ten-year-old boy, who was put into a foster home at a very early age. Yeah, baby. Yeah, he was constantly abused, both physically mm. and sexually, emotionally as well. Couldn't find a home. 
Mm. I don't know whether you foster noticed this, house to foster you're looking care at, house. Yeah, you're looking at this story of this little boy called Zane, and he was quoted as saying, "All I want to do is be with you, mummy." Yeah, it's heart. It was a heartbreaking story to read. It was, mm. and, and it, he commits suicide at ten years of age because life just became too unbearable. And <sighs> every child deserves love. They're not getting it though. No, I mean, I'm, I read another article on a different kind of, but you know, but similar, of how in Afghanistan right now, parents are selling their eight, nine, and ten-year-old girls for marriage because they cannot afford mm. to put food on the to table for the rest of the family. And yep. I, I saw this on CNN, and, and you actually saw, they actually filmed it, the father and the old man, he would have been my age or older, old man, grey hair, what is he doing? Buying that little nine-year-old girl for two thousand US dollars, and as she, as she is taken out by her mother and this old man, she's digging her heels in, and my heart mm. just leapt out mm. for little Zane and for this little girl in Afghanistan. And yet here I am, and I'm wondering what can I do yep. to help that, and I don't know what to do. Yep. And that's the frustration of it. What can you do? You know, you think of. Well, could we start a ministry up for these kids in, in, in Afghanistan? These little girls that are being dragged off. I, I, I mean, it's it's beyond. You can't cope with it, Hunty. If you mm. if you it's spend too much time on it, it. is yeah. overwhelming. And so I just thought, and this is a fairly new story. So it's only happened in the last week or so. Where's that little ten-year-old girl now? Yeah, what's happening to her? Mm. Little girl, you could see her innocence. Shudder to think. <sighs> Man, what a. What a world we live in. Mm. I said I wouldn't talk too much about COVID-19, but Dan Andrews and these chilling new laws. Oh, here we go. All over the paper. Mm. Mm. I mean, we try not to get too political, and I don't think we should either. No. Because people have a right to vote who they want. I know people who are my friends, even family, who vote on both sides of the political spectrum. Yeah, I've got both sides in my family as well. Yeah, which is fine. But I think when you've got uh, one of our political leaders demanding the power that he's trying to put through, in legislature in Victoria, it's pretty scary. 246 continuous lockdown days, a world record, Dan Andrews. Well, I don't blame him completely for that, to be honest. I mean, he's just trying to deal with the the lockdown. But what bothers me is when he's trying to get these huge powers, which basically say, without any advice from even health authorities, he as a Premier can shut the state down, and then he can also bring in all these draconian laws, and more than that, the fines are chilling too. He's talking about keeping the unfaxed locked in their homes all of next year. <sighs> that That's going to be trouble for him. Big trouble. In fact, I'd, I'd probably think we're close to a point now where it's getting almost impossible to keep anyone locked in their homes at oh, the moment. Look, Australia's vaccination take-up rates are fantastic. New yeah, South Wales, there's, 95%. Yeah, there's places near where we are, 90, 95, 98% vaccinated now. You know what I read today in the UK? What's that? St- the, the government statistician department yeah. did some statistics on COVID over there. Yep. Did you know that if you're unvaccinated, your chances of dying of COVID are 650 in 100,000? Still pretty good, eh? Less than 1%. Okay. But it's 650 in 100,000. If you're vaccinated, do you know what your chances of dying of COVID are? Is it less than one? 
25. 25. In 100,000. There you go. It's a, the vaccine, I mean, I'm, I'm openly saying this to our listeners, the vaccine works. Yep. Not saying you have to take it. No. But it certainly does stack the odds in mm. your favour. Now, we are pro-choice. Yeah, but that mm. being said, I don't, I don't think we can afford in a democracy like Australia, where my own grandfather fought on the Kokoda track for the democracy, for the freedom of this nation, I don't think we can get into a place where we're giving premiers and prime ministers uh, unfettered, unchecked power, even in the greatest of tragedies. That's why we have parliaments. That's why we work together to make laws to protect ourselves. And I think Victoria, probably worth praying for, they're in perhaps a very dangerous place right, right now. Yep. And I don't mind saying uh, um, openly that these are the sort of laws we probably should resist because of the danger to our freedoms. Um, Here's the good news story. Finally, the good news story. (sighs) Did you see the pictures on Channel 9, 7, 10, ABC of people coming back into Aussie? Yes. After they'd been away for years and couldn't come home because yes. of COVID. How beautiful the was that? families reuniting was sensational. you got young people coming home, being reunited yep. with their parents. Yep. You've got husbands and wives and fathers and sons. It is a beautiful thing. Oldies like me meeting their grandkids for the first time. Yeah, and I've got to tell you. Now, you, you, you met your grandchild, what, just the other day? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing this on television. I'm thinking to myself, my own heart stirs. Now, I wasn't planning to take a day off this week. You know that. Yes. But when I saw that, such a good news story, <laughs> made me a bit emotional watching these people so happy. I thought to myself, I've got to go see my girls. Good. And so tomorrow morning I get in the car. Yep. And off I go and see my two girls for the first time. Nice. In some time. But when you see all these things, whether good news, especially the bad news stories, and you see these terrible things happening in the – by the way, you know how long it took me to find a good news story, Hunty? Oh, dear. A long, long time. <laughs> And you see these things happening in the world, signs they tell us that soon Jesus has come and they tell us why it's so important that we know him and we are ready. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty, I'm on a bit of a heritage singer binge at the moment. I noticed. I looked at the run sheet and I thought, there's a lot of heritage playing. Yeah, yeah. You know why? Because I grew up with them. Me too. Heritage singers are a group from where? Uh, USA. USA. Calif- they're, they're, California. They're an Adventist group. That what? Would you say they're Placerville. one? Of, how, how big are they in the Christian music scene worldwide? Are they big or not so big? They're pretty or? big. They're one of the most well-known Christian singing groups Even on the planet. Even outside the Adventist church? Outside the Adventist church, yeah. Okay, now because you know them all pretty well, eh? I do. You've travelled with them. You've I have. done their sound. Done their videos. Yeah, yeah, so I'm going to let you introduce this song. Okay, all right. Let you introduce. <laughs> <laughs> this is a ripper from the 80s. I absolutely love this song. Um, it is one of the heritage singers that's entitled Part the Waters.
That's a heritage singer's hunty from the 80s? Absolutely. You sure about that? Oh, I'm pretty certain that's an 80s song live. You, you caught me out? <laughs> no, I don't know. Dennis Perry, have we got you online there, brother? Yeah, hi, Lloyd. Hi, Andrew. G'day, mate. Do you remember the heritage singers? Now you're starting to ace me, I sure do. I've been to a couple of their concerts. Just fan. Just a blessing. Just wonderful. You remember that song? I do. Absolutely. I, th- I think you Hey, listen, do you remember it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> now you're starting to show your age. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't mind. <laughs> I'll tell you my age. I'm 58 going on 100. <laughs> I feel like that sometimes. <laughs> now, for those of you who weren't with us last week, Dennis Perry runs one of the most amazing ministries called Food for Life. You might think it's just about food, but it's not. It's about education. It's about helping people, mostly in Papua New Guinea. And he told us a bit about that ministry last week and what they are doing over there. It was amazing, wasn't it, Hunty? Brilliant. Yeah, very, very moving. In fact, uh, I was thinking, Dennis, we need to get you at New Hope Church again. I've, I've been trying, haven't I? I have, yes. have I not reached out to you and tried to get you to New Hope? You, you have, and I'm happy to accept now. I've, I've had a couple of uh, challenges, which I'm over now. Okay. Uh, um, do you preach and teach and get around the different churches a lot, telling the story of this ministry? Yeah, Lloyd, I'm often invited to different churches. In fact, I, I also do community organisations, yep. Rotary, yep. Lions, often invited to be a guest speaker, those sorts of functions, uh, young people's events, different church denominations as well. I've, so, found, I've found people want to hear about stories like this. I, yeah. You know, Hunty and I just did a news section, so many bad stories mm. out there. Yeah. And then when you get a good story, a good news story like yours, where you're actually going in uh, to Papua New Guinea mostly, yeah. and and you're you're feeding people who live on rubbish dumps and yeah. have no food, but more than that, you're also setting you're starting to set schools up and you're educating, making huge difference to people's lives. What I wanted to do today was just see whether you had a story that you could share with us uh, about the impact Food for Life has had on someone's life. Sure. Thanks, Lloyd. Look, you, you, you turned me around when uh, you're having a discussion with uh, uh, discussion about that young person who took her own life. His own. What was it, Zane? Was it? Uh, yeah, young man. Uh, yeah, there were two. There was a young guy in Australia, Zane, who took his own life at ten years of age. And then there was a ten-year-old girl in um, Afghanistan who got dragged off by a man older than me. Yeah, look, he, he would have been in his sixties or more. Lloyd, I was going to speak on an entirely different experience. I've got many. Yeah. But in light of this, the Holy Spirit impressed me to talk about an experience we had in terms of our sanctuary. Now, our Born Free Sanctuary in Papua New Guinea rescues children and youth at risk. We've been doing that now for over six years and uh, with the with the purpose of preventing children taking their own lives, being in horrific situations, um, or a um, being vulnerable to risk. Yeah. Now that wasn't our intent. Operation Food for Life never intended to commence this program, but God did, and we're so glad to impress. So, what happened? Our volunteer directors, a husband and wife team, six years ago started picking up, and I alluded to this last week: a child on the streets, battered, bruised, raped. Yeah. Nowhere to where nowhere to go. So they took her home to uh, their place. We took her to a, a doctor, got her medically looked after, and from those early beginnings, one child grew to two, two grew to three, and all of a sudden, that room only the house was only ever for the husband and wife and two of their own kids. Yep. And now that family was growing from from four 
to six to ten, and uh, what we're after now, six years later, no less than 30 children and youth have been rescued regularly at any given time. And I just want to talk about two people that wouldn't be alive today without God calling us to do this ministry. And I want to go back six years where we go where angels fear to tread. We go where Jesus would go if he was there. Invariably, we'll find ourselves in hostile settlements. People live below the poverty line. Their idle time is focused on evil. So it's, it's not unusual to go into areas where Satan owns it's not unusual to go into there where um, they've got a history of violence, particularly the males, and it's not unusual for us to see and hear and experience of kids being violated. In this particular instance, I want to talk about uh, two sisters, Helen and uh, Wendy. Now, Helen and Wendy were uh, 13 and 14. Helen and Wendy were in such a settlement where when we went in there, we started feeding and clothing, providing medical care, which is part of the ministry, sharing the love of Jesus Christ to these people. We found a, a story about these two girls who who were raped by the people in that settlement, both of them. And not only that, but every teenager, Lloyd, and, uh, Lloyd was pregnant. Mm, Everyone wow. in that settlement were, was pregnant. It was Andrew. It was unbelievable. Uh, but not mm. only that, um, when we spoke to uh, Helen and Wendy closer, we found out that they had seen their father murdered only a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now, now they're only 14 and 13, and all of a sudden we found out, hey, they've got no home, no, no parents, no nothing. So we picked them up and we brought them back to the settlement and uh, they've now been back, and we started, we had to, look, they, 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 they were a mess. But only God can turn a mess into a message. Mm-hmm. Only God can turn stars into stars. And only God can do these, these marvellous things. Only God to take, can take trials into triumphs. And so unconditional love will break those sorts of hurts over a period of time. Helen and Wendy have now been with us, with 30 others over the period of time. We've had 400 kids, by the way, with us over the years. They have been with us now for six years. So so how old would they be now? uh, One's 19 and one's 18. So they're probably not far from headed off into their sunset. Um, Yeah, it'll be just uh, see where God calls them, what they want to do. They're both... uh, uh, aspire to be, one wants to be a doctor and we encourage that, the other one wants to be a lawyer and we will encourage that, we want to inspire those kids that they can be better than what they've been So you're saying, when you say you inspire it would you support them through the ministry, through that education process? Yeah, uh, once we get them all through their schooling, we pay for all their school fees Uh, when they go into uh, education to further their career Usually that may involve a university. Yep. There they may have to go to work to pay for their school fees. So would but they still live with you or do you facilitate them finding a home away from... Well, we, we will never put them at risk ever yeah. or go where we feel that they will be vulnerable again. Generally speaking, we haven't faced that situation yet because we're only six years young. But uh, we will make sure if they when they move on, that they'll never be violated again. These two kids would have been dead today, but Jesus called us in to save those kids. Do you, think, 
Have you got to a point where they've, where you've had children go through, they go out, they get an education, then they start to actually give back to the ministry that saved them, or is it still a bit early for that yet? It's still, still a bit early. We have two, two youth now who yeah. want to... Uh, we've asked, what do you want to do when you leave school? Uh, one wants to go back to the uh, island where she was born, off the coast of Papua New Guinea, and uh, help her people... She wants to teach kids who are illiterate. She wants to bring them to Christ. She wants to give them hope and dignity like we have. Is it, is it um, when they leave? So you haven't had many leave yet? No. No, we haven't had so any you're leave. Breaking, so you're breaking new ground, really? Absolutely, yeah. How much does a kid who's you keep in a home like that um, a risk, an at-risk children, and you, you say you've had over four hundred, but there must be thousands of them in in New Guinea. How much would it cost to keep a child like that in your ministry in your home a week? Uh, I can give you a yearly fee, a yearly yeah. cost. I'm interested. It cost, it cost us for to to feed, to clothe, to take the kids to and from school, to buy the school uniforms, to take them to church from church, to get them into. Uh, activities, positive activities yeah. at church, pathfinders, etc. Yeah, yeah. It cost us over fifty thousand Australian dollars a year for one kid. No, for or for the thirty. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's very efficient. I'd say. Yeah, so you know they, they will never go hungry. We we are on a very strict budget, so we they eat well. They're on a very good healthy uh, regime, and uh, you know. So would it be fair to say all that the more money people give, the more kids can be helped? Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. the only restriction really is money. Well, the other restriction is room, um, room at our sanctuary. Yeah. We've got a, a girls, purpose-built girls' dormitory, yep. which has most of the girls. Uh, we have all the, sorry, all the girls. Uh, the boys are still in the house. So they're sleeping on the lounge room in spare bedrooms, so if we had a boys' dormitory um, and were able to do some more work around that sanctuary, we would, uh, could accommodate more. Okay. Well, look, I want to thank you for coming on again today, uh, my friend Dennis. Um, I, I think what we'll do is – we did it last week, by the way, too. But yep. we'll put again up on our Aussie Pastor Facebook page, honey. Yep, yep, yep. The we'll put the details, details on where they can go yep. and give. Um, yep. Could we get you on in another month or two? Oh, I'm happy to. Just, just thank you for the invitation. Uh, always uh, happy to be here. Lloyd, I just want to say that every morning and every evening we have worship at the sanctuary. And, and uh, these kids that, were, that have come are all formed into a gospel singing group called Born Free Praise. And singing, as you all know, your family knows, it waters their soul. Yeah. Listen. And so uh, we are, they are now invited to churches and to other uh, functions to sing gospel songs. And you can imagine how that lifts them. Oh, yeah. So they've come from scars and they're now praising Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful. You're doing a beautiful thing. You, do, you are doing the work of Jesus. Yeah. That's why we like to get you on here. And, yeah, and on our right. Facebook page, Aussie Pastor, later tonight, actually, we'll yeah. get those details up. And if you want to give to this. Now, Dennis didn't come on for money. He made that very clear. You know, he's never asked for it. I'm the one pushing it, Hunty. Yeah, us too. But this is a very, very worthy cause. Every cent that you get goes into the work. 
None of us are paid. No, that's right. It's not caught up in administration fees or anything. No government help, no rich benefactors. It's not about the money. It's about souls for the kingdom and to save lives and transform lives. Well, if only I was a billionaire, Dennis, because if I was a rich benefactor, I'd be giving it to you, my friend. (laughs) God bless you. And as I said on our Facebook page, we'll have details on how you can give. Let's talk again in another month or two, Dennis. Could I just say thank you for having me, uh, Andrew and Lloyd, and could I also just put a shout-out to a very good friend of mine and a a regular listener who is in my thoughts and prayers, and that's Stephanie. So, Stephanie, our thoughts and prayers with you and your son. Uh, We love you to bits, and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. Blessings to you, mate. Thanks, mate. Thank you, Andrew. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. Bye now. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Very inspiring man, Hunty. Yeah, an amazing man. Yeah. Hey, are those uh, answer the Aussie pa- uh, ask the Aussie pastor? Yeah, they're still rolling in. Questions are coming in. Wow. How do you how do you do it again? Mate, we'd love to hear hey, from hey, you. Hey, hey, hey. Can, like more can, can you do the phone number without looking? I can do the phone number without okay, looking. I'm looking, at, I'm li- I'm okay. looking at him listening. Make sure he does Here we go. Okay. So you can text us 0488 you're on the money, mate. Woohoo! You did very good. And you can also email them to us. The email address is info at aussiepastor.com. Any question on religion, on the Bible, pretty much on anything, we'll have a go at answering. And if we For can't sure. answer it, Hunty, For sure. then I'll go away, try and find an answer and come back the following week. Indeed. Okay, we've got another really, really good song here. Yeah, we do. And it's by... I, I like these guys. Yeah, me too. This is my favourite. Oh, wow. I like the Heritage Singers, but this guy, Bill Gaither... And who? The Bill Gaither Trio. Yeah. This has got his brother singing who actually passed away from cancer. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's a, it's a really good song, this one. Yes, Jesus Loves Me. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible told me so. For the Bible tells me so and little ones to him belong they are weak oh but he is strong Oh 
Song, Hunty, but we're still singing that in church today. Wow. Oh, let me fade down the clapping. Wow. <laughs> ask, ask the Aussie pastor, mate. Let's get into it. Okay. We're running Alrighty. behind time, so that's why I'm saying, okay. not mucking around. Not mucking around yeah, Let's get into it. Okay. Um, first question How long after creation was Adam and Eve put out of the Garden of Eden, and when did it disappear? That's from Norman. Um, okay. They were put out of the garden. The Bible doesn't tell us how long after creation, but it seems it was pretty quick after creation. God allowed that test to happen very early on, it seems. Uh Now, I can't conclusively um, prove that, but when were they, when, um, when was the garden or when did it disappear? Probably, again, probably Hunty at the flood. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably. Where did it go? Maybe back to heaven. You, you can only guess some of this sort of stuff, you know. Right, um, right. Yeah. So I wish I could give more conclusive answers than that, but it's the best I can do. And you can't really argue too much anyway on positions of silence with the Bible. But, yeah, there's pretty good evidence that it was very quick after the flood, very, you know, very short time, and probably disappeared at the uh, – sorry – Pretty good evidence, evidence yep. that it happens um, pretty quickly after creation, not right. after flood. Right. <sighs> Got to concentrate, Lloyd. Okay. It's getting hot in here, hunty. Yes, so, I'll crank the So air. the garden probably stayed until before the flood, and yep. when the flood came, probably disappeared. That probably that sounds like a garbled answer to me. I'm going to have to <laughs> up my game here, mate. Let's this go. Next question, this next question is a ripper, and it's from Anne, and she would like to know, why do we have to be answerable and repent for our sins when it was Satan and God who had differences as we were born innocent into this world. For example, if my two neighbours had a disagreement, I would not be answerable or involved. Thanks for chance to take part in the free Bible question offer. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the reality is it's not a conflict just between God and Satan, though. Remember that Satan came to this planet in Genesis 1, 2 and 3, or Genesis 2 and 3, Yep. and our world chose willingly through our first parents, Adam and Eve, to join the rebellion. So it's not just a conflict between God and Satan. It's a conflict that we as a human race chose to join. And then so really by blood, by ancestry, by lineage, we have joined the rebellion because we are human. Right. We are born fallen. Uh, We are born sinners and we are born in need of a saviour. And that's because of 
what Adam and Eve did so long ago, 6,000 years ago in the garden. Now, that might not be a totally satisfactory situation, and I understand that. Um, but the great honour that comes to us when we get to heaven and this battle is, is over, where we become children, we already are children of the king, our brother Jesus reigns on the throne of heaven, and we become royalty in the universe more than makes up, I think, for what we're going through now. Wow. Okay. All right, moving on. Next question from Alex. I have a few questions about your thoughts on the immortal soul. One, why do people believe in the immortal soul? And two, why do we believe, what do we believe about the immortal soul? And three, how has the belief in the immortal soul affected society today? Okay, number one, why do they believe in the immortal soul? The yes. idea of an immortal soul is that your soul, when you're born, you never die. Right. The Bible says the soul who sins dies. So the Bible doesn't believe in an immortal soul. Okay. The Bible says if you're a sinner, you'll die. And we all die. A lot of people say, well, when you die, you go to heaven or you go to hell and your soul keeps living. Well, that's just not true. The Bible says when you die, when you, when you, when you, when you the Bible's very clear, Ecclesiastes 9, 5, 6, 10, uh, the dead know nothing. Yep. Uh, yeah. wherever you're going, you're not going to know a thing, the Bible says. So, yeah. so the, uh, why do they believe that? Probably because they don't read the Bible. Right. And they rely on pagan concepts and ideas that do advance an immortal soul. What were the other parts of the and question? And how does it affect society today? Immortal soul. Oh, look, it, I, that's a hard question. It isn't a hard yeah, question. Yeah, I don't really I don't know, know, the, I don't no. know the answer to that, how it impacts society. I think, for me, there's something to be said about believing what the Bible says. It gives me hope. I'm going to sleep and then Jesus will come, resurrect me. Uh, how does it af- affect society? It just means, basically, large sections of the community are heading off down a road that's got nothing to do with the truth. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, I'm loving these questions. This next one, was the earth made during creation week or was it already here? Genesis account of creation never says that God created the earth during the seven-day creation oh, okay. week. Talk, talking about the dirt, the rock, the very matter of the earth. Don't know, doesn't matter. Right, okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I probably would lean to the fact that the earth was created. The Bible says the earth was out without form and void. So you go back to the original Hebrew and try and work that through. Not easy. No. Um, I, I think it probably was created from scratch, but it doesn't have to be. It could have been just a mass of rock and unformed dirt. I, look, I don't know. Okay. All I know is that in that in those six days, God created the earth to what we see today. Much better, of course, back nice. then. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm grouping these questions together because this next one's on a similar thought. Yeah. What do you do when science and the Bible are opposed? Example creation, etc. So what do you do when science and the Bible are opposed? I always default to the Bible. Yeah, me too. A lot of people don't like that answer. That's all right. I don't mind. Yeah. I default to the Bible. Science has changed through the years. Science used to say the earth was flat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and balanced on an elephant sitting on the back of a turtle. I'm not sure about that. That's the pictures in the encyclopedia. I, I just default to the Bible every time. Science will say, oh, there was no worldwide flood. Yet everywhere we go, hunty, we see yep. evidence of a Grand worldwide Canyon, flood. wave rock. Yeah, I, I've been up into places where you've got um, what they call those things you, um, in the rock. Skeletons yes. of fish. Yes, yes. What do they call them? Yeah, we've got fossils, fossils and things yeah. in the middle of the desert. Yeah. yeah. Nah, I, I always default to the Bible and always will. This next one's a ripper. What does God look like? Well, not like you, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, um, I don't know. He's, he's a spirit being. He, he represents himself in the Bible, often in human form, but he doesn't have shape and a physicality like us, uh, and he can pretty much appear to look however he wants. 
But when he's talking to mankind, he often comes cloaked in the physical form of a man. All right. Question, another question. Does the Bible say homosexuality is a sin? Um, I'll give you a short answer on that. How's that, Hunty? Yes. The Bible says that sexuality should be between a male and a female within the bonds of marriage. And everything else is out of bounds. So that's the bot. Now you can argue about that. You can disagree with it. That's fair enough. But it's what the Bible says. So I think I'll answer that question like that. How's that, mate? Yep, yep. Does the Bible say it's a sin to drink alcohol? Um, it says it's a sin to be drunk. Does it? Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, in our Bible study today, Actually, we do have a text in our Bible text. study, don't we? Yeah, 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 which is which is just a fluke, really. Huh. But um, yeah, it says it's, it's a sin to be drunk, and then you ask yourself, well, when does somebody become drunk? So, oh, look, I, I think anything that takes away your ability to see God, to fight evil, to make good rational decisions, I'm hmm. all for abstinence, and maybe we'll do a Bible study soon. On this program on alcohol. alcohol. We should, so, yep. But if you want to know my official answer, I would say abstain. Don't touch the stuff. Next one. Does the Bible allow for divorce? Yeah, Jesus does. He says if um, if a husband or a wife commit adultery or, or some versions say maritally unfaithful, but the Bible very much is for marriage and so it discourages divorce and it would encourage us to do everything we can to save our marriages. But there are some times where divorce is the appropriate thing. Mm. If you've got a husband bashing his wife, yep. she yep. needs to go. Yeah, any, any kind of abandonment. Any sort of abuse, sexual yep. abuse, even physical. Yep. And physical abuse is an awful thing. Um, even mental abuse is pretty harsh, isn't it? Mm. So I, I think there are grounds for divorce, but it, you've got to remember when we promise each other that we'll be married for life. We make that promise in front of God, and it is important. It does matter. If God loves us, why does he allow shocking things to happen, like Chloe? And I think that's the little girl that's been abducted or is missing. Over in um, WA. Yeah, we don't know she's been abducted, do we? Well, Um, she's missing and so is her sleeping bag. The short answer to that is because we're living in a world of sin. It is broken, and that's why Jesus has got to come again. Satan has a big say in what's going on at the moment in the planet. Yep. And there's a lot of bad things. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of pain. There's, there's death everywhere. And that's why Jesus has got to come and rescue us. So it's all a part of the great war between God and Satan that we got caught up in when our parents, as we said earlier, joined the rebellion. And the last question. Yep. A lot today, a lot of questions. Yeah, it's great. Do you ever wonder if you are just following a fairy tale? No. Yeah, me either. I used to. Jesus is real for me. But the more you read your Bible, the more you... See, that, to me, Hunty, and I keep saying this week after week on this program and on our television programs, too, there are three or four things that are important when you follow Jesus. One is you get into Bible study every day, morning and night. You do that, you see Jesus. You get on your knees and you pray. That's the second one, you see Jesus. You go to church. That's very important. Church going is very important, Hunty. You have other mm-hmm. believers in fellowship. You see Jesus. You go and do what what um, Dennis is doing there. Yeah. You see Jesus. Hands man. and feet of Jesus. And when you see Jesus constantly in your life day by day, you never, ever, ever doubt him. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Just a little talk with Jesus, the homeland singers. 
Pretty positive song. Hunting. Yeah, it's a ripper. Love that, it. That's one. That's one down. One I just, down. I, yeah, I just forgot to turn the, <laughs> the mute button. Yeah, one down. Yep, the red light of death. There's always, there's always one. <laughs> I've got a little mute button next to me, and often I forget. That's to, a cough button. Yeah, it's a yes. cough button. I use it too from time to time. That's right. Hey, Lizzie, you on board there? Yes, hi. Hey, Lizka. Um, Hello, Andrew. This is my wife. This is her first time live on radio, I think. Is it, Liz? Yes, I think so. But she's no stranger to fame, though, because she sings yeah, no, she's, in front of our worldwide video audience all the time. She's actually very, very famous, that's yes, true. So <laughs> she's, not, she's not nervous at all about this. Hey, Lizzie, glad to yes. have you on board. Welcome. Uh, this is Thanks. the boss of the Grolleman family. Yes, she, I can testify to that. She, <laughs> listeners, don't be Thanks fooled. Thanks for inviting me. Don't be fooled by her humble, very quiet demeanour today. <laughs> <laughs> Behind it is all a very, very determined woman. <laughs> hey, Lizzie, where were you born? I was born in Jakarta, Indonesia. So that's why you've got a little bit of a different sort of an accent. Yes. What languages do you speak? Indonesian. Yeah, and English. Yes, Indonesian. Yeah. Oh, okay, and, so, and Australian. Uh, <laughs> only Indonesian and English. Yes. Hunty's throwing dad jokes at us here. <laughs> um, so Indonesia is a Muslim country. Were you, when you were first born, were you Muslim? Uh, no, I was born in, the, in a Christian family. Okay. Christian so home. You, you were brought up in Jakarta. How big is Jakarta? How many people? Oh, my goodness. It's millions and millions. There you go. Yes. It's, it, it, <laughs> lots and lots. It's very actually, dense It's bigger than, si- bigger than Sydney, isn't it? Yes, definitely. What's the traffic like over there? Horrendous. 
So if you've got to you go... You saw it. Yeah, I know. But I'm, asking, I'm interviewing you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> you got to answer You the still qu- have traffic jam at 11 o'clock at night, it's, remember? It's true. Remember, um, if you want to go to the airport and say you live 20 k's away... And you've got to catch a plane at eight in the morning. What time do you have to leave to eight in the morning? Oh my goodness, maybe four four thirty. <laughs> so Just... it's it's a two or three hour trip to do twenty mm. k's to get to the airport. Yeah. It really is a very crushed city with many millions of people. Now, when you were a kid, describe an average day for you. Was it was it the same as an Aussie kid? Get up, go to school, come home, and do your homework. Yeah, but and... school over there is not as long as here. So when I was in primary school, we'll be, we would start from seven o'clock in the morning yep. and finish around 10 o'clock or 11. Oh, wow. So it's just short, yes. So when you finish school, what do you just come home and play? Yeah, it's, um, sometimes I would go with my friends, just hang out somewhere, ride our bikes and go. Chasing boys on- around the place. Adventure? No. no. <laughs> um, were you brought up a Seventh Day Adventist? Uh, no, I was in a. I attended pro- Protestant church. Okay, you, you a Sunday Protestant church? Yes. Big church, little church? Not too big. Not too big. Okay. Um, did it have much impact on your early life, church, or not really? I think so. It uh, it introduced the church. I remember I went to Sunday schools every yep. Sunday, most of every Sundays. Um, that's how I got introduced to Jesus through the stories that the Sunday school teacher, you know, tell the story about Jesus and what happened in the Bible. Were your parents stories. going to church too? Yes, um, they at that time when we just moved to that area, we don't have, we didn't have a church, so we met in a school building. So Sunday school will start first, like maybe nine o'clock in the morning, and yep. then the church for the adults will start maybe eleven o'clock or something. So it's separate. So we will go home, and then my parents will go to church. Oh, okay. So you'd go to Sunday school, but wouldn't stay for the main church. No, 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 no. The okay. main church is only for the adults. So you grew up a Christian in a Muslim country. What was that like? Was it hard? Were you vilified? Were you segregated off? Or was it, how was it in, in Indonesia, which to this day is a, is a majority Muslim country? Yeah. Um, well, when I was young, um, it's, there is, I don't feel any different. I don't feel any different. Um, we just play together, hang out together. Um, it was, it was, there is no threat or anything. I never feel threatened. So you were safe? Yeah, yeah, pretty safe, yeah. So Muslim and Christian kids would play together, no, yeah, nothing? Yeah, we, we get along fine, yeah, we get along fine. So to this day, some of your best friends are Muslims? Yes, yes, yes. But- Only when we had a riot in 1998, that was actually against the Chinese, but some, many of the Chinese are were Christ, are Christians, yep. so that's um, impacted the Christians too. Now you're not Chinese, but but your boys are. You you actually had to flee Indonesia because of that riot for a little while. Is that correct? 
Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so you, you say, though, as you're being brought up, you're a Christian, the Muslim, it was never a problem. You felt you felt safe, and many of them are your friends. Um, yes. Do you remember when you actually gave your life to Jesus, Lizzie, how old you were and, and where it happened and how? All right. Um, I think I... I I was a Christian, but I have I didn't have anyone that lead me in my spiritual journey. So I was on my own pretty much. Yep. I got baptized in nineteen ninety five in your Protestant church. No, to become an Adventist. Oh, okay. But that was just the start of the journey. I didn't really know Jesus personally. Only, I think, when I went through a difficult time in nine, um, around 2009, 2010. So it's not that long ago okay. that I feel that I know him as my personal savior. How did you first um, come in contact with Adventism? Um, I studied Bible with my auntie who went to like a theology school, not Adventist Yep. Theology school. So whatever she's learning, she shared it with me. Okay. I was in high school at that time. So you were thirsty so she, for the truth. Yes. Um, she has contact with Adventist Church. Yep. So she knew that Adventist Church teach, you know, what Bible says. So um, when they had a revelation seminar, this is, so this is like a long process. Yeah. By that time, I was already working. Um, or oh, before that, someone came and prayed for me when I was in a hospital. Yep. And he's Adventist. Okay. Funny how so, those little things have an impact on that's you. That's right. It? It's, you know, it takes a village to yeah. bring someone to, to Christ. So yeah. that was when I was in college. Yeah. When I was, after high school, I attended three years college. That's when this man, this old guy came and visited me in the hospital, stranger. He just visited different people in the hospital and pray, and then he offered to give me Bible study. And I said, yes. So he came <laughs> and gave me Bible study for a year probably. But after that, I didn't, I haven't, I didn't make any decision. And then I went to this uh, Revelation seminar after I studied, I finished my college. I, I, I was working and there was a Revelation seminar run by Adventist Church. So I went to that Revelation seminar, and then at the end of the um, seminar, yeah. I decided to have to get baptized. And yet it's a funny thing, isn't it, that it still took you another 10 years or more before you had... Yes. And we'll talk to you one day, I think. How about. patient God is to all of us. I think we'll talk to you later on about that experience because it really was. I, I, I think I came along into your life not long after that, but it yes. was a time of trouble and it was a deep, I, I know it was yes. a deep conversion experience because I've witnessed it myself. Um, is there anything you can tell us? Just a couple of other quick questions and we better go, but is there anything you can tell us about Indonesia that would help us to understand our big next door neighbor better? <laughs> I think um, even though it is a Muslim country, um, I don't see Indonesia as a threat to, to Australia. Yeah. I think Australia look at Indonesia like, I don't know, any other Middle Eastern countries that are very strong in 
in their religion. Indonesia, many of them, many of the Muslims, they don't really uh, practice there. Well, not not in a fierce way, anyway. Yeah, but it's it's actually growing. Like more and more people are becoming more fanatical. Sadly. Yeah, yeah. And, and last question, Lizzie. You've had a long life now. <laughs> what are you can, saying, Lloyd? Can I tell them how old you'll be this next birthday? If you want to start, they can't see me, so they can't really tell. <laughs> uh, it, it will be. I'm not going to say what it is, but it will be a very, very special birthday. Very special number, is it, mate? It is, mate. The one you passed many years ago. <laughs> Lizzie, why would you recommend Jesus? Um, An Indonesian girl grew up in a Muslim country, Protestant, become an Adventist, you've been on a long journey of much pain, which we haven't opened up about today. Yeah. We'll find out more about that at another time, but why would you recommend Jesus as we close? He gives me hope and purpose in my life. Thank you, Lizzie. I'm first-hand witness to the fact you're a beautiful Christian and you bless many people. Thank you for coming and joining us today. Thank you, Pat. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Oh, that's always a good interview. Very good. Yes, always. You survived. Uh, this is your group again. Oh, I love these guys. Do you guys. see how I'm going? Heritage oh, Singers, Faith, Faith first. first, Heritage Singers. Go on, go for it, Hunter. Oh, look, um, this song's called Where There Is Faith, and it's by Faith First, and the lead the lead soprano part in this is done by Shaney Judge, Shaney Deal, and she has probably one of the most commercial, most beautiful voices you will ever hear. So the song is entitled... And, and, is- and she's your friend. She's my friend, yeah. It's called, entitled, Where There Is Faith. Honesty and 
song mm. um harold you there i'm here excellent we you're our resident historian extraordinaire and you bring us well it's not every week but it's pretty much regularly anyway stories of great men and women who have shaped what we have become as protestants in the 21st century maybe no bigger than this one martin luther this man was a giant compared to many others. Do you think it'd be fair to say before we get into his life that this he was the father of the Protestant Reformation, or is that is that a bit too far? No, it's not too far because his actions precipitated or generated the Reformation. Okay, not not that the Reformation wasn't going before he came along. That's true, but he really did bring a focus to it and. Uh, shook Europe, really. Uh, shook the world. It wasn't shook just Europe. The world, shook yes. the world. Um, where and, well, tell us, when and where was Martin Luther born and to who? Well, he was born in Germany in a town called Eisleben. To the son, he was the son of Hans and Margaretha, but their surname was Luda, and then it was changed later to Luther. Do we know why it was changed? I've actually, no, I've often wondered that. It must have sounded better or was seemed to be... Better in the in the country. That's all. I'd like to change my name from Grolleman to something else. <laughs> uh, what religion was he? He was a Catholic, and the day after he was born, he was baptized in the local church just round the corner from his house. It was the Church of Saint Peter and Saint Paul in Eisleben. Okay, was he well educated? Is he starting to grow up? Was he well? well firstly, was he in a poor family, rich family, and then was he well educated? It was a middle-class family, but his father got into copper mining as an entrepreneur. He was organising the mining, so he became upper class, and uh, they moved when Luther was just one from Eisleben to Mansfeld, where the mines were. And uh, he grew up there. He was uh, When he was five, he went to the Latin school in Mars- Mansfield, and then he was there for 13 years. Okay. you imagine going in a Latin school? Yeah, yeah. So they spoke and learned in Latin? Well, they would have spoken German too, but in and then Latin. He learned the Latin languages. He went to Magdeburg, and then he moved, came back to Eisenach for a school, staying one year and three years until finally... He goes to a university. So th- before you go on, this guy's really well educated. That's that's yes, what. In is. fact, you know what? When we look at these Protestant reformers, often they're almost better educated than we are today, Harold. That's right. In fact, you, you look at them. Some of them have doctorates and degrees that go beyond the average pastor. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. So he's well educated. He goes to university. Was he a good student? He was a good student. In fact, in one year. He got his Bachelor of Arts at the Erfurt University and he stayed on and within three years he got his Master of Arts. So he's all still pretty young when this is going on. Oh, yes, absolutely. He would have been um, nineteen twenty when he got his Master's. Do we know when he first came into contact with the Bible? Yes, we do. You know, that time 
while he was there, he went to the uh, college in May and he read the Bible for the first time. It was the Latin Vulgate version. It was in the university library. No one had Bibles, but he found it and he started to read it and it made a big impact in his life. What a, and this is a big deal, this next question. In the life of Martin Luther, this is a big deal. What significant event happened to him when he was 21? So this is right in the midst of all this education. And by the way, he's not studying to be a priest or a, or, or a pastor. He, he's just studying at the moment for the sake of study almost, isn't he? Correct. But his some, father wanted him to do law. Yeah. But, and he was kind of headed in that direction. But when yep. he was 21, something real big happened. What was it? Well, his father and his home was in Mansfield, but he was studying in Erfurt, which was quite a walk away, and there were no cars and taxis, and he would have walked home to be home, and then he's going back to uni, and he gets outside Erfurt to a little village called Stotterheim, and it was in July 2, 1505, and so a big storm comes with lightning hitting the ground all around him, and he makes a plea out to a St Anna, one of the saints of the Catholic Church, and he says, help me, St Anna, and I'll become a monk. Okay, so he gets in a storm. I shouldn't laugh because it's really serious. He's praying to the wrong person because St <laughs> Anna certainly wasn't around and wasn't helping him. But God's very merciful. Very sure. gracious, and God hears that prayer, saves his life. Um, so he goes on uh, to what? Become a monk? Yes, he goes to join the Augustinian, the Black Monastery, and he goes and knocks there. Now, it's interesting that while he's knocking on the door, his fellow students at uni come around and say, don't do this, yeah. don't give up uni. Yeah, yeah, they didn't want, him to, knocks- they didn't want him to become a monk. That's right. But fact, he goes ahead with it. His family probably wasn't that keen on it initially. Either. No, they hated him. He was almost uh, disinherited, but not quite then. His now, father hated it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the Catholic order he joins, it's, it's, it's a pretty full-on order. It had the greatest reputation for piety and holiness. You had to be really every minute of every day showing your piety that you were really a monk. So he joins this order. He's a really young man. What's he do for the first three months? Well, he's called a guest because they want to try him. Does he really want to stick this lifestyle out? But he was really trying to find some peace with God through Yeah, He didn't have peace, did he? In fact, no, he, didn't. He, he, was, he was really at war with himself. He meets a... a look, is it too much to say this guy, Johann von Stolpitz, was a good yep. man? He meets. He was a pretty good guy. Is, is that fair to say, or have I taken it too far? Well, he helped him and he guided him. He was in charge of the vic, of that order in that place, and his job was to guide all these monks. And he saw in Luther someone with a great mind. He could be someone, and he guided him. It so Stolpitz was great. It was almost like the spirit of God was in Stolpitz too, wasn't it? You know, he That's wasn't. Correct. Yeah. In fact, when you look at the Catholic Church back in these Middle Ages, Dark Ages, often you see really good men and women in their midst in leadership who played key roles as these reformers grew into the mighty men of God that they were. And this guy really did, when you study Luther's life intimately, really did have a major 
positive impact on his life. He sure did. Okay, so when did Luther take his vows and what did they mean? And, and I also was, want you to tell us how he took his vows because I think this is very interesting. Well, he was almost 23 years old and he took his final vows to become a monk. And in that Augustinian monastery, you can still go and see a grave that was there and of a Zacharias was the guy who really put the boot into and saw Huss uh, burnt at the stake in 1415. Yeah, this is and a guy who... buried there. Yeah, he prosecutes Huss. He sees yeah. Huss go to the stake. And yeah. so when Luther takes his vows, he goes to this guy's grave. And what does he do? Well, this grave is right, in, right by the altar and every monk has to lie down on it and they say, I, Brother Martin, Luther, do solemnly take my final vows and promise to be obedient to Almighty God, to Blessed Mary, every virgin, and to you, Brother Winman, prior of the fire friary in person, who is the represents the prior general, and uh, uh, renounce all worldly goods and live according to the rule of Saint Augustine. He lies there and says. I'm going to chase heretics too. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Here he is lying here making a promise before God that he'll be a monk and chase heretics. He becomes <laughs> one of the greatest heretics in the in the history of the church. Um, where did Luther then take up university lecturing? Because he goes out and he becomes a university lecturer. Well, he was ordained then as a priest uh, after that, the next year, and he was sent in 1507, the same year, to the monastery in Wittenberg where he lived for the rest of his life, well, apart from a little bit, and he started there as a lecturer in moral philosophy, mm. And uh, but he hated teaching some of it. Yeah, yeah. Now, while he's lecturing, I found this very strange, and this is something I didn't know in your research that you brought up for us. Something happens, and it's called Erefit's Year of Madness, and it, it's disturbed Luther, and it disturbed me too. I never knew about this. Tell us just briefly about this, Harold. When I was in uni, they always have a mad time. Yes. You know, but this went for a year, and there was probably a lot of feeling against the one who was in charge. And in fact, the guy who was putting the boot in, he was executed, and part of the old college was destroyed, and Luther, within a short time, he sent off on a trip to Rome. But that really, uh, he said, law and order is important after that. So really what he what it was was just a crazy year of anarchy and chaos. And, and it left him yeah. very unsettled, didn't it? Um, now, he is an unsettled man. This is a guy who'd stay up all night. He'd flay himself trying to find forgiveness for his sins. And he'd Correct. do this for night after night after night. Uh, his benefactor, his mentor, Dr. Stolpitz, becomes quite concerned about him. Uh, he doesn't seem to be finding any peace with God. Um, what challenge did he give to Luther? Well, he said, Luther, I think you should go to Rome and see the, the place, that, the headquarters of everything, see where everything, did, the decisions are made, and you will understand more of the will of God. And so... In 1510, he starts walking to Rome. Now, you think he gets there in January yep. 1511, 
which is the middle of winter. Yeah, he's walking through the snow. Can you imagine walking over the Alps in winter? Yeah, I can't. Well, I can because I've been to the Alps in winter, but it, you, you're flat out driving over the Alps, let alone walking. Right. What did he think of Rome when he got there? Well, he was really upset with all the indulgences. He was upset with the behaviour of the priests in in the city. It just it just tore him apart. He it did not settle his heart and mind. And he said no. And he got out of it then and went back. So he saw corruption that yes left him. Hey, is it true that? You know, they, they have these stairs called the Scala Sancta in Rome. I remember you taking this yes. to them. These are a set of stairs that Rome, um, papal Rome will tell you, were mysteriously flown by angels from Pilate's Judgment Hall. They're now in Rome. When we were there, Harold, we would see people on their knees. We actually saw it. We saw it, mate, going up step by step, praying to the saints, doing what Martin Luther was doing, actually, trying to yes. find peace. <clears throat> now, and in is those it, days, they would get kneel on every step and kiss every step on the way. Well, up. they were doing it when we were there, mate. I was really they surprised. Do they do. Now, yes. is it true that Luther got on those stairs, or is, is that a legend? Now, because the legend says that he got on those stairs halfway up, he stood up and said, "I'm not doing this anymore." The righteous. What did he say? He quoted, um, "Is it Romans?" Romans. Anyway, where, where the righteous will the just shall live by, by faith. Is that true? Is that a true story? Is that where the Protestant Reformation started, or is it legend? Or we're not sure. Well, it came because Luther had been reading the scriptures, and the Bible says the just will live by faith, not by kneeling on steps and kissing steps and going up, doing all sorts of penances. And so, when this came to him, whether it was from his reading or there but it was the birth of his strong, uh, the Reformation called it, sola fide, only by faith, and he recognised it as he was going up. So that's a fair income story. It is. Ah, I was wondering about that. I like this story. Tell us about Luther and Tetzel. Uh, Tetzel was sent out by the Bishop of uh, Mainz to, to go across and get money the Pope wanted a lot of money to build St. Peter's in Rome, and you got it by selling indulgences. What's an if indulgence? You, What's an indulgence? An indulgence is if you put money in his box, you'll get a bit of paper to say your sins are forgiven. Okay. And you can get the sins forgiven for your aunt or your uncle or your father or someone else as well. And so they're putting money in to get people out of purgatory and Luther said, that's not how you're saved. And when one of his parishioners came and said, look at this bit of paper I've got, my sins are forgiven. And he said, your sins are forgiven as you believe in Jesus. And he gets all these wrongs that he saw in the church and nails them on the door of the church in 1517. 95 thesis. Yeah, 95 things of how you're saved and what the church was doing wrong. 95 things against the church. Hey, just before we move on to Tetzel, because I know our time's all almost up from Tetzel, you know the little story about Tetzel, true story, where a guy comes to him and he says, so Tetzel is selling indulgences to build St. Peter's. A guy comes to him and says, well, look, if I buy a indulgence now for a sin I will commit in the future, you know that story? Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and, so he, he buys all. He gets his forgiveness, and later on, he, he 
Rob's tetzel of them of the day. <laughs> but he had forgiveness for the robbery, which which really just shows really how crazy that doctrine of, of indulgence is. By the way, does Rome still advance that doctrine, or has it kind of died on there the... There are still indulgences. A couple of years ago, I was in Spain, and I went to the great Catholic centre, and they had indulgences that year. And in fact, in that Scala Santa there is a notice up that indulgences can be bought there. And it's really an anathema against the gospel, isn't it? Because Jesus says forgiveness is free, just come to me and I'll give it to you. Correct. Hey, um, we've got to close, but I want to close with this question. What reaction did he get from the Church of Rome when he banged those 95 theses into the church? Where was it? In Wittenberg, Castle Church Door. We've been there, by the way, but you told me when I was there it wasn't the door. So that was a bit disappointing to me. You said the door's been replaced, but anyway. They have, and now it's metal, and it's all cast there, all these things. So so what what response did he get from the church? And I'm going to get you back next week to finish the story. Well, maybe not finish, continue. Well, they wanted to summon him to Rome to answer all these charges of heresy. And so he... He begs not to get to Rome, but he starts going to Augsburg, and maybe we will pick it up there next time. Yeah, this is where he begins to really shake the world. He does. Hey, hey I said last question, but I, I changed my mind. One more. What can we learn from Luther's life? The answer came from reading Scripture and trusting Jesus, and that changed his whole view of life and his ministry. Fabulous story, fabulous man. You come back next week, Harold? We'll see you next we'll, week. We'll have another go at this story. It is good. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Okay, Hunty. Well, mate, I've got a question. Yeah. Hey, first, I've got a bit of a story first. I feel like I'm driving a car without a steering wheel at the moment. Yeah, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. No, no okay. We're, we're trying to make up time. Okay. The pastor's, the pastor's been... The, the run sheet's been flown past. Yes, well, we had to make, I had to make a sudden... Uh, hey, so, okay, which song do you want to play? I'm happy for you to play whichever song you like. I think I'd like, this to, hear is, the, I'd like to hear the Heritage Singers. This is, again... Yes. This it's, is live it's radio. Day. It is. is live radio. Yeah, yeah, we really do like their music. When the time comes, yep. you know this. You know this song, Hunty. Absolutely. Where's this one from? Uh, maybe the nineties. Okay, let's hear it. Here we go. Silly saturates, Lord. I want to be all and only yours. Take away the clutter in my life every day and make me like a child at play. Time comes, I want him to know me. When the time comes, I want to be there. When the time 
to take me, to take me Direction all all of a sudden, okay. very quickly. Yep. <laughs> no more about Martin Luther, but what a great story! That oh, is. Well, I love that story. Yeah, my oh. favourite parts the is the um, buying and paying for sins, and then getting his stagecoach robbed. Yeah. It's such a great story. It is, and it's a true one too. <laughs> Man, if you could buy indulgences for sins you're about to commit, kind of gets in the way of your walk with Christ. Oh, of course, because that's what the Protestant Reformation is all about. Hey. Very quick story, which is going to illustrate the Bible study we're going to do. So I'm going right. to, I know we're, we're caught for time because I've been rambling on today, but I've enjoyed these interviews. They've been great. Yeah, and I'm going to get Liska back next week, and I'm going to get Harold back, and we'll get another new one in next week. I think we might do something on health next week. Cool. You'd be a good guy to do something on health. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Here's a story. I was in New Guinea. Yep. I was doing a great big outreach program up in a place called Lay, which is what, their second major city? Yep, on the east coast. Three major AFL fields. They filled them up with maybe 20,000, 40,000 people. How would you know? Mm. And here I am, young pastor. This is a few years ago now, and I'm there to preach. First night, man, I'm shaking in my boots. Wow. Before I went up to preach, they got me. Do you believe they had a caravan there? I didn't know there was a caravan in New Guinea. Star Tours. This caravan's about 300 years old. Oh, okay. About 12 feet long. And it seemed to me it had about 20 ladies in it. 
Now you oh, know what the weather's like. You know, you know what the weather's this. like, like, don't you? How, do. hot, how hot is it up there? It's almost a hundred percent humidity. Because I'm talking about baptism today. Hot. I'm talking baptism. So yes. they invite me into this caravan. So I, I, I kind of, it's like, have you seen them when they're trying to get into those trains in China? Oh, you know, they're yeah. or India. They're, in Japan, yeah. That was me getting. They have people pushing them in. <laughs> oh yeah. I literally got pushed in and they're praying. I've never seen ladies pray like this with a depth and an intensity yeah. and a joy. It's such awesome prayer. And they're warriors. praying. I'm talking three, four hours before I got up to preach. Yes. So I get up to preach first night, second night. These, these ladies. These, they're praying before, during, and after the program. They're in that caravan for six to eight hours, just praying. Mm. So third night, I turn up to the outreach, and there's all the pastors. There would have been 30 or 40 of them in PNG. They're on the stage with the president, who's the boss. and He beckons me over, and I'm thinking, oh, no, I've done something wrong here. Because it's easy when you're outside of your culture to do something yeah, that's not appropriate. And you don't, you yeah. don't, have you ever done that? You don't even oh, realise it? Probably. <laughs> oh, dear. You have to be really careful, especially when you're preaching in front of so many people. So I went over. And I was quite hesitant. I sat down. He said, you know what's happening? I said, no, nah, what's happening? He said, you're getting up. And there was 30, I don't know how many were there. How many people can you fit in three Aussie rules fields? I don't know. Yeah. 150,000. Thousands, thousands, yeah. thousands. He said, you're preaching in English. Now, I, I'm telling our listeners, I'm telling the truth, Hunty, and I can prove it. Mm. He said, you're preaching in English, and they're hearing you in their own indigenous language. Praise the Lord. And I wondered why people were coming up to me after the program and trying to talk to me in their language. Yeah. And I couldn't. Some yeah. of them were getting even a little bit restless, yeah. even a bit upset about it. Well, what was happening is I'm preaching in English, and the Holy Spirit, because of the prayers of these ladies, I believe, was getting in amongst it, and they were hearing me in their own language. Yep. Now, the secular press in Lay got a hold of this. They came along, Hunty. Yep. They saw it for themselves, and it was front-page news the next day in the local paper. And Lay's no small city. That's right. And that happened for 16 nights in a row. And you know what? There was a series of evangelistic programs going on around in PNG. At least another four or five pastors, while they were up there, experienced the same thing. Hunty, we have to go back to PNG soon. Yeah, it's a the great place. The place is amazing. Yep. But what you just heard then was an example of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to unpack that a little more for you after this song. Change my heart, oh Heart, oh God. Beautiful song. There is nothing 
more important to changing your heart than what I'm about to share with you. Last week we talked about baptism by water. Yep. If you love Jesus and you've come to a point in your life where you can say, I would rather follow you and have you in my life, Jesus, I'd rather that than more than anything else, then you're ready for baptism. Yep. Once you're baptised by water, it's not the end, though. Watch this, hunty. John chapter 3, verse 5. What I'm about to share with you now is probably one of the most misunderstood and one of the experiences that we need that very few have in Christianity. In fact, the fact that we don't is the source of the great weakness of the Western church, the Western Christian church. So this is really important, and if you get what I'm about to share with you over the next, what, how many minutes we got, Hunty? Ten minutes? Uh, yeah, we got ten minutes. <laughs> It'll change your life forever. John 3 verse 5, what does Jesus say about baptism of the Holy Spirit, Hunty? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we know what born of water is because we looked at that last week. Yep. Baptised by immersion, you go under, you come up, symbolic of dying to your old life and starting a new life. But then there's also, remember this is called two baptisms. You have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and Jesus says unless you've got it, what? You cannot enter the kingdom of God. So it's important. Matthew 3.11, again. Very important. I baptise you with water for repentance. This is John the Baptist talking. Mm. This is the guy who baptised Jesus. Jesus in the Jordan River. He's he's Mm. almost in a prophetic moment here. Yep. Where the Holy Spirit is upon him, and this is what he says. Start again, mate. Yeah, very sombre moment. I baptise you with water for repentance, but he who is coming Who's that, hunting? He who is coming is Jesus. Yeah. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I like that. Jesus is going to baptise you. John says, hey, someone has come and watch out, kaboom. Mm. He's going to, you're getting baptised by water here and that's important, but there's something big about to happen to you from this man, Jesus. He's going to baptise you with the Spirit and fire. Love it. Yep. Ephesians 5.18. I'm ripping through some text today because I want you to get this. This is really important. And do not get drunk with wine. Ah, there's that text I was telling you about, Hunty. I saw it. Yeah, should, is it a sin to drink alcohol? Well, it is definitely a sin to get drunk. When do you get drunk? Well, Who knows? Let's, let's see the context let, let, of this. Let's not, <laughs> let's not get waylaid here on alcohol. No, that's, that's another true, one. that's true. Yep. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So this baptism of the Holy Spirit is something Jesus gives you, and it fills you up. It took many years for me to experience this, Hunty. And to this day, it makes a very significant difference in my life. So let's have an example of what happened with baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, Hunty, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Okay, stop there for a moment so I can give context. Jesus has gone to heaven. He's left. This is it. He's died. He's resurrected and now he's gone to heaven. Right. And he's left an infant church, a baby church. Not that many people, maybe 130. That was, that was Jesus. You know, he comes and shakes the world, aren't he, with, with, um, miracles and, and all sorts of amazing things. Still only had 130 followers or, or thereabouts when he leaves mm. and goes back to heaven. So they're all meeting together in yep. a room in one a building. Place. In one place. Yep. Now this is interesting because we're going to see right now an example of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Some Bible say and began speaking in tongues. Yep. Okay, so what happens is they're sitting in this room there's a roaring sound like the wind. Mm-hmm. The wind in the Bible is always, almost always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Right. So this is a Holy Spirit coming into the room. There's a roaring sound, tongues of fire. Again, the Holy Spirit is symbolized in the Scripture by fire. So you've got wind and you've got fire, both symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Tongues of fire on their heads. And then it says, and the Holy Spirit filled them. That's the baptism of the yep. Holy Spirit, aren't he? Yep. Wow. The Holy Spirit filled them, and then they began speaking in other languages. In other words, they were speaking in their language. Now, there were people from all over the world in Jerusalem at the time, and they were hearing that what was happening is these Jews were speaking in their language about Christ, and they were hearing them in their own language. That's a gift of tongue. That's what was happening up in Papua New Guinea. Amazing. Exactly the same thing. What generated in Papua New Guinea? It was those ladies in prayer in that little caravan. I am convicted deeply on that to this day. Beautiful. And so I experienced what these guys did, and it was very special. Okay, verse 5. And at that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. This is what I said to you, Hunty. Go on. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. That's visitors testing, from Rome, mate. Eh? Yeah, me. <laughs> visitors from Rome, um, Cretans, and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. So you see what's going on, Hunty? Yep. They get. Baptized by the Holy Spirit. Yep. The Holy Spirit comes and possesses them, and then they start to share Jesus, like I said. Yep. They're talking in their own Hebrew. In fact, do you know what language they were talking? No. Aramaic. Uh-huh. Very similar to modern day Hebrew. Right. So they're they're speaking in Hebrew, and these people are all hearing the gospel in their own language. Now now what's the Holy Spirit doing here, Hunty? Um, Am I pushing he's, you to he's he's creating a living miracle. Why? So Why God could be glorified and so that people could understand the preaching of the, the word. He hit the nail on the head. Mm. He's actually given the church in one swoop the ability to take the gospel to the then known oh, world. wow. Do you get it? Yep, I do. They didn't have internet. They didn't have television. They didn't have... I mean, in our, in our program, you know how many people we've reached? I really like this. You know how many people we've reached in the last 30 days? Is According that, to our Facebook figures. Was it over a million? Six million. Oh, my goodness. In 30... That doesn't mean six million people have watched our program, but we've gone out and been exposed to over six million people in 30 days. That's something, isn't it? The disciples, the apostles yeah. would have loved to live in our day, but they never had that. So God worked another miracle. Yep. And what he did was he allowed them to speak in their language and the gospel to be heard in the, uh, the hearer's native tongue. I think that's sensational. Mm. Now, But this is important. Verse 13, something happens. Mm, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. 
So isn't that interesting? Mm. People whose hearts were open heard these men and women speaking to them about the gospel in their own language. But if their hearts weren't open, all they heard was someone jabbering at them in Aramaic. Wow. And, and because they're excited and about Jesus, they said, oh, they're drunk. Wow. Kind of like that today, you know, if your heart's open, Jesus will come to you. Yep. But if it's not, you'll just hear gibberish. Yep. The last verse today, verse uh, Those 41. who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So, so what happens is Peter the Apostle gets up and then preaches a sermon. Go and read it in Acts chapter 2 if you get a chance. At the end of that sermon, Hunty, 3,000 people. Now, we're in a church of what? <sighs> 90, 100? Yeah. And we probably get once we we, we we had church this last Sabbath. It's pretty good. It was beautiful. First time sitting in three months ish. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So if you're in northwest Sydney, you're welcome to come to church. Yes, you are. And worship with us this week. We'd love to see you. We would. Yep. Uh, we had what, 90, 100 people there? Imagine if in one day from one sermon we had 3,000. Yeah, that'd be good. So what, tell me this, Hunty. What is the Holy Spirit doing here? Ah. Uh, a miracle that allows a humble person who gives their life to Jesus the ability to evangelize, preach, teach, and, and reach people in, in a way that we can't. He's powering the it's church. A, it's a miracle. You, you hit the nail on the head. 10 out of 10, Andrew Hunt. He's powering the church to do the story of Jesus. Now, I don't want you to answer this because I know you know the answer, but this is where we go next week. How do we... In the 21st century, experience the Holy Spirit like they did. Because mm. that's the $1 million question. And if you have the answer to that, and I wonder how many do have the answer, send me a text message to what, Hunty? Yeah, zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. Or info, uh, info at aussiepastor.com. That's right. Send me the answer, yep. and if you get the answer, I will send you. First person who sends that answer, Hunty. Yep. yep. We haven't given a prize for a while. We haven't. I'll send a beautiful Bible because it's good to read these stories. It's good to study them. But, Hunty, if you don't know how to get to how to receive, how to experience the Holy Spirit yourself, then they're just stories. And next week, that's what we'll show you. Step into the water, wait out a little bit deeper, wet your feet in the water of His love. Step into the water, wait out a little bit deeper, come join angels singing, Praises to the Lamb of God. It's time we, the people, stand up for what is right. It's time we squared our shoulders back and raised our swords to fight. For the Bible is our weapon and the Spirit is our shield. The church needs more of its members to be workers in the field. Step into the water.
eyes appointed for the soul who does not stray. Oh, I want to live for Jesus and be all that I should be so that I can rest with Him forever and live eternally. Step into the water Tell you why this is important, this experience, Hunty. Because mm-hmm. at the end of our outreach program in Lay, this yep. is what it's all about. Yep. It's not about the miracle of God turning my English into pigeon or whatever. It's more about what that miracle does. And it allowed us to take the gospel and the indigenous language of the people. And there was a number of different tribes there and different languages yep. that they were hearing this gospel message is in. It's allowing them to hear the gospel message and find Jesus. At the end of that program, almost 3,000, 4,000, wow. maybe five. I don't know, again, it wow. was thousands. Praise the Lord. Thousands and thousands of people came forward and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Wow. And that is why this is so important, mate. Mm-hmm. I tell people over and over and over again, the thing missing in the Western church is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So next week where we go could be very well the most important radio program we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Because we'll be talking about how can I, in Australia, be baptised by the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful message and subject. Hunty, there is a place... If our listeners want to, they can go to absolutely and discover for themselves through Bible study yep. more info. What's that about? Where's yeah, that? If, if Pastor Lloyd's ignited something inside of you and you want to search and dig deeper, uh, if you uh, SMS or text us or email us, and the number zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, and the email address is info at aussiepastor.com, If you just put the words offer three zero one as one word in the subject field. We will send you a link to a really beautiful Bible study that will help you to dig deeper and get closer to Jesus. And you can kind of just do that on your own. Yes. We're not going to follow you up. No. We're not going to call you. No. Well, look, we, we'll talk to you if you want to. Of course. But we're not going to follow you up. We're not going to call no. you. It's all about you and the Lord and finding Jesus. That's what I'm about. It's what you're about, Hunty. Absolutely. It's about letting people find Jesus in the power that he offers. You know what, Hunty? My name is Lloyd Grolleman, and I'm the Aussie pastor, and I'm going to pray. Very good. Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. 
May people experience the Holy Spirit too in their lives, I ask. In great power, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm Lloyd Grolleman. And I'm Hunty. And we love you. I'm the Aussie pastor. Who are you? Yeah, I'm a Hunty. <laughs> and we still love you. We love you, but God? He loves you so much more. See you next See week. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 